Welcome to the Connectrio podcast. I'm Claire Perry, a primary teacher and Google Certified Innovator. During these episodes, we will hear from parents and teachers from around the world as they share their stories and experiences of effective and representative parental engagement. Hopefully, by listening to this podcast, you will be inspired to try some of these ideas in your own schools and classrooms. In today's episode, we welcome Lena Carter. Lena is a deputy head teacher at a secondary school in Scotland, and she's one of the co-leads of Women Ed Scotland. Lena writes about lots of different topics on her blog, and I've enjoyed connecting with her through Twitter and at some of the events she's spoken at. So I was delighted when she agreed to be on our podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Lena. Hi there. Nice to be here. Thanks for inviting me, Claire. <laughs> Great to have you. Um, in case any of our listeners uh, haven't engaged with you before, I wonder if you could uh, introduce yourself for us. Okay, so uh, I'm Lena Carter. Um, I've been teaching, working in education since 1992. Uh, first trained in England and I taught drama and modern languages in Cambridgeshire and then London and Cumbria and then moved to the Outer Hebrides with my family. Um, I also trained early on in uh, drama therapy and counselling skills, which I think have brought some useful insights to my practice, particularly around engagement, uh, around nurturing and around working with with families and relationships. Um, And I've held a a range of middle and senior leadership roles. Um, In my spare time, I like to to write and speak about issues relating to inclusion, particularly and equity. the last two years I was seconded out of school and I was working with care experienced children and young people um, as part of the uh, Scottish Government care experienced funding and now I'm back in school in my substantive post um, as a deputy head in a secondary school and last but not least and most importantly I'm also a mum to two teenagers who are 15 and 17. Thank you so much, Lena. Lots of experience bringing onto the podcast today. So we're very lucky to have you. Um, and I've enjoyed uh, connecting with you on Twitter through some of the, um, reading some of your blogs and um, mm-hmm. coming to some of the events that you've spoken at. So um, yeah, okay. I'm very excited to speak to you today. Great. <laughs> um, great. As, as we were speaking about uh, just before the, the podcast uh, started, uh, the focus of the Connect Your podcast is to share um, examples of parental engagement and uh, yeah, just so that some of our listeners can maybe take some of these um, examples and ideas away and use them in their own schools and classrooms. But um, before we get on to that, I wonder if you could share why you think um, effective parental engagement is so important. Okay, yeah. Before I do, um, Claire, I think this is just a bit of a um, something I like to do is I think it's important when we talk about parents um, that we do acknowledge as well that that's parents, carers, um, having worked with care experienced children for the last two years, I think, you know, we, we need to be clear that, that that's what we're talking about. So I hope that's OK. For me, it's anyone who's got that responsibility to care for a child, to love them, to give them a home and, you know, be a part of helping them to learn and thrive. So always when I talk about parents, I will encompass that that broader um, definition of parents and carers. So I hope that's OK to say that first. Absolutely. A really um, important point. Thank you. And I think so for me, I always come back to that, you know, that African proverb, I think, about the idea of it, it taking a, a village to raise a child. Um, you know, I think it's really easy for us to work in silos and talk as if, you know, education is the responsibility of teachers and schools and that, that you know, parenting is something different. But I absolutely 
I disagree with that. And I, I really, I think through my practice and through my career, you know, I've, I've come to realize that, that actually it, it really is about all of us working together as adults, you know, to get it right for every child if, if you work in Scotland. Um, and that we need all of the adults around the child to work together and to communicate effectively so that children grow up to lead the best lives possible. Um, but I think in practice, that's fundamentally about good communication and a shared understanding around the purpose of what we're doing as adults. Um, and it's around the fact we really care about these children. Um, I think the reality is, is that every parent or carer who gives us their child, they're entrusting us with the thing that's most precious to them. And that's what we have to remember. And we therefore have to act in a way that they know they can trust us with that most precious thing, which is their child. I think it's really interesting in Scotland that, you know, with the incorporation of the UNCRC, so the United Nations Convention on the Rights of the Child, um, we've, we've, we've formalised that. We really have. We've said that we as adults, as duty bearers under, you know, that children's rights framework, that's our job as adults to work together and to communicate and to act in the best interests of every child. Um, you know, I think as well, when we went into lockdown last year and we had that wonderful blurring of definitions and we all jumped out of our silos and, you know, teachers were suddenly no longer the only people teaching and parents and carers were teaching and there was learning going on in the home and, and all of those things. It just gave us that amazing opportunity to, to really look again at what we mean by education, what we mean by teaching and learning and how we, we all had that opportunity to do things slightly different. And I think as we go forward rather than back, <laughs> we need to embrace some of that. Um, I'm also really interested, Claire, in how we engage with, you know, those parents and carers who we might have labelled in the past as non-engaging. Um, and I think it's absolutely crucial that we look at the parallels with with how we engage with those non-engaging children. You know, and I think there's an awful lot of labeling that goes on. Um, for me, if a parent or carer isn't engaging, then it's far more likely to be a result of something, some hidden barrier that we're not aware of or, or something that we are doing as professionals or as the system rather than something wrong with them or rather than them being deliberately difficult or resistant. Um, so it's about curiosity, I think. You know, we have to be curious about that. We have to work together and, and be curious about why some parents and carers might not choose to engage with us. I love that idea of it being about curiosity. Yeah, but understanding why and, and trying to trying to figure out why and what we can do about it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I know you mentioned a couple of the sort of barriers there, which we'll come on to um, a little bit later on, but I wonder if you could share some examples of effective parental engagement that you've experienced, either in your role professionally or as a, as a parent. Yeah, perfect. So a positive example then. Um, so at the end of lockdown, um, you know, there was that idea that, that something very different had happened for quite a few months in quite a few homes. And because I was working in particular with children at that point who many of whom had experienced sort of complex developmental trauma because they were care experienced um it did become obvious to us and i think nationally if you look at some of the organizations like celsis who who work with with care experienced uh, children and families that that some children had actually thrived during lockdown because things had been so different for them 
Um, and that actually stronger relationships had developed with parents and carers and families than had been possible before. And that some of the difficulties associated with having to go to school had temporarily been removed and that some children had flourished because of that. And that's not the case, you know, in all in all circumstances. And we do know that a great number of children, you know, didn't thrive because they weren't going to school. Um, but in some cases, we saw these kind of unexpected benefits. Um, and and it, there's, there's complex reasons for it. Um, what we do know is we saw an increase in the amount of applications for home education after lockdown, um, which is, you know, something we need to be curious about. We shouldn't, we shouldn't see that as, as something to be fearful of, you know. But some of the reasons I think that some children flourished were around the idea that schools are busy places, they're very peopley, um, and some children just don't do well when there are too many people and too many relationships to contend with. Um, some of it was about the fact that in some households there was actually an opportunity for an adult to work intensively with a child to allow them the time and space to maybe learn without the school bells ringing, without the kind of subject definitions. And that there was that individual focus on some children. And I think some parents and carers really learned from that. And at the end of this, one of the carers uh, got in touch with me and said, right, I just feel like I've got all this information about my child. And I feel like my child is a different child to the child who the school knew before lockdown. And I really want to be able to tell them that. I really want to be able to say to them, look, I've noticed that these are the triggers for when things become difficult. I've noticed that she does best when you talk to her like this or you use these words or she's actually much better when she's had something to drink or, you know, and she wanted the opportunity to share that back to the school. But she, she said, oh, but I'm, I'm not the teacher. You know, how dare I almost tell the teachers how, how to do things? And I said, no, but that's exactly what we need. You know, that's exactly what schools will embrace because they want that intelligence. They want that information that's going to help your child to thrive and flourish. So put it down, write a letter, write an email. Don't feel that you can't share that information back because that's exactly the type of two-way dialogue that we need between homes and school if we're really going to do the best for every child. Um, and I, I just thought that was something really powerful. And and the, the particular carer did it. And then what we did was we kind of actually, we, we, we almost created a template of an email or a letter and said to some of our other parents and carers, you know, if, if you kind of want to reintroduce your child as they go back after lockdown to help that transition, here's a way of doing it. Um, so I think that was something really lovely that came from a parent, a carer. Um, so, yeah, that was a good example, I think. Yeah, really powerful. Just shows the, 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 you know, being able to send that information that that's so powerful as a teacher when you've got all these children in your class to get that insight. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Thank you for sharing. Um, and so I know you touched on this a little bit earlier um, about the, the barriers to um, effective parental engagement. And um, I wonder if you could explore some of those a little bit, a little bit more for us. Yeah. So I think a lot of it is around us just needing to be curious as professionals and there's a lot of potential to jump to judgments, to, you know, knee jerk, oh, and, and label. So I think it's about curiosity and it's about being able to sort of take that time and space and say, what's really going on there? So I think, you know, I had a couple of examples in my head. So, you know, that parent who doesn't return phone calls. Well, 
you know, we could be curious about that and think, is that just somebody that doesn't like to talk on the phone? Is that somebody who's got anxiety around making phone calls? Is that somebody who actually, if we sent a text or an email, would respond to us? Is, you know, it's just about that curiosity rather than automatically jumping to a conclusion. Well, I made three phone calls and they didn't ring back. And then suddenly that parent's in the bad books, whereas actually that curiosity to say, well, could it be that we just try a different form of communication? Or could it be that we swing by the house and knock on the door? Uh, another one, that parent or carer maybe who writes negative things on Facebook, you know, the school Facebook page, it's always a negative comment. It's always something critical. You know, it's always, well, how about if we're curious about how that parent or carer experience school themselves? Because schools are incredibly powerful places and they come with so much sort of cultural uh, history and you know, so the experience that a parent or carer had themselves of school is often a really strong indicator of how they're going to respond. And therefore, sometimes we need to just again be curious about that. Uh, so I think it, it's about that. And it's difficult because as schools, we often lack time and space to be curious. But to my mind, that's absolutely what we need to be if we're going to make this work. Um, I've written, there is a, a blog post that I've written on this actually, and I um, it's, pro it's from a few years back and it's called What Are We About? And it just goes back to that fundamental idea of what is it we're actually trying to achieve? And if, if the relationship we have with parents and carers and families isn't at the heart of what we do, and I think we, we really need to reconsider that. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, a few different ex examples there. And I know, it. I mean, it is difficult to talk about the barriers without ways, uh, without going into ways we can overcome them. But um, the, the next sort of thing I wondered if you could share some um, some insight on is how, how you think we can overcome some of the barriers to increase representative parental engagement. So all of our learners are being represented. I think you've heard me talk at a couple of things, Claire, and I think, it, I you know, I tend to sound a bit like a cracked record. I think it's because I'm so old and I I just feel now that, you know, I'm yeah, more than willing to learn and, and listen. But I think there are certain things that I feel over the years I've sort of seen again and again. And I, for me, whether we're talking about pupils or colleagues or parents and carers, it's about this thing that I've come to call a quality of knowing. And we need to know each individual parent and carer and we need to know each family. And that's about the intelligence and the data, if that's what we want to call it. But just knowing, knowing really well what a child or a family are going through and understanding that um and it's you know it's it's just about not having that that sort of generalized sense of what parents and carers are or are about and it's about relationships isn't it it's it's about knowing you know knowing people well enough so i think um Again, it's, it is it's about time and space. It's about taking the time and space to get to know. But it's also having lots of different opportunities for communicating, for en engaging. So no one size fits all. And I, I despair a bit, you know, at the sort of the, the parent council model, because we all know that parent councils can be absolutely great and wonderful things, except they can also be places where there are certain parents and carers who would just never set foot in the room because of some of the things we talked about earlier, you know, because they had a terrible time at school themselves or heaven forbid they went to the same school, you know, and they just, they never wanted to set foot across the door again and they're not going to do it even if their child is at that school. So I think it's 
it's about some of that, well, how do we reach out to those people who wouldn't ever come to parent council? Um, and I think, I think um, you know, you, you talked before we started um, this discussion, you've talked to me before about this, this project you've been doing around sort of digital engagement and, and using other opportunities. And I think it's about having, you know, Google Forms that are anonymous. I mean, I love anonymous questionnaires because I think you just get a much richer uh, sense of uh, quality of feedback. Um, you know, once you've got to walk into a room and, and be visible and be seen, how, how honest can you be about the things that you might want to talk about or share? So I think all those different ways that we can now engage and communicate, I think it's, they're, they're so empowering. So I think it's about having that whole range of opportunities to build trust, to allow communication, also to sort of strip away some of those power hierarchies. So I think, you know, that schools and teachers have such a status, don't they, that's not necessarily always deserved because we're all humans, we're all adults. Um, yes, we are paid to do a job and there is an accountability there that comes with, you know, we're the professionals, um, but it doesn't mean that we're the professionals who don't listen to anybody else. So it's about us understanding the power that we have, but also the, the huge um, potential that others have to, to sort of be part of this. And again, I think it comes back to that sort of UNCRC and the you know, duty bearers. We're all there to protect children's rights together and to do that as the adults in the team around the child. Um, there was one other thing I just thought about as well. Sorry, one thing I'm really interested in as well is kind of nonverbal. I talk a lot, but, you know, engagement that's nonverbal. We, we talk about this a lot in relation to children, you know, but how do we get, how do we get the parents and carers who have quiet voices to express themselves and again I think using other for, forums for, a, for other ways like a, you know a google form or a, or a survey or um or also you know just just other opportunities I think it was um gosh uh there's a head teacher she's now actually she's actually now a care experience lead in um I'm going to say one of the Lothians and I can't remember her surname but Sheila uh <laughs> Sheila from Lothian, that's not helpful. But Is she it Sheila talked, Lang? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, she came and spoke in our authority a few years back about the incredible engagement work that she'd done. And it was just lots of things about just getting people into the building in different ways. So some of it was around those, those you know, trying to get people in who, who kind of had a fear of going into school because what that might mean for them might be something negative. And so it was things on a Saturday morning, like getting people in to do cooking or to go for a walk. So again, it's those sorts of engagements that aren't anything to do with talking about the curriculum or, or talking about school and learning, but just engagement and building relationships. And I suppose it comes back to that thing of, you know, of just us, those almost, you know, those sort of village type opportunities to get together and, and sit around and, and be communal together because that's the way we build trust that's the way we get to know one another and that's the way we we then trust enough trust enough to you know to be able to do really the best for the children I think yeah there's so much in that Lena thank you so much um I uh, I was fortunate to to meet Sheila um, and attend one of the, the the lunch clubs that I run in in um, it was in East Lothian. Oh, okay. Um, just to sort of reach out and um, I, I went to university with her daughter. So oh, okay. Um, yes. Yeah, really really fortunate um, to to sort of experience some of that and just the really innovative ways of 
reaching out and being part of the community before we talk about the the education you know Absolutely. it's about um, humans first um 100 yes. so um thank you so much for giving up some of your time on um on this uh, morning it might, it might not be morning when our listeners are, are listening <laughs> in <laughs> um but thank you so much lena and i'm um, just before we go if people want to connect with you i wonder if you want to share your uh, twitter hang- handle your your blog uh, with our yeah. listeners Sure. So I'm on Twitter at Lena Bellina, which is uh, L-E-N-A-B-E-L-L-I-N-A. And um, my blog is also Lena Bellina at WordPress.com, I think. Um, but yes, if you if you Google uh, Lena Bellina blog, it normally comes up. Um, OK, I'll pop yeah. a link to that in as well for the, this podcast, too. So thank you so much, Lena. That's great. Thank you very much for inviting me. hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Connectrio podcast. We'll be back next Monday with an episode featuring Nujat Usmani. Nujat is a primary teacher in Glasgow who does a lot of work around increasing representation and diversity in education. So I'm really looking forward to sharing that episode with you. If you've enjoyed listening to the podcast, please share with us on Twitter and Instagram at Connectrio Ed. Hope you all have a great week.